This is this is fine. 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 This is a poor substitute for therapy, but an excellent substitute for other podcasts. We're not like other podcasts. Join us as we find the answers to the universe's biggest questions like, is butter a carb? Does crying burn calories? And what the fuck am I doing with my life? We're here to be your part-time therapist, astrologer, concierge doctor, and fairy godmother. Do you need someone to validate you today? Cool, cool, cool. Come on in. We're fine. This is fine. Hey, cuties. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast. Well, second favorite after Jenny's. This is fine. I hope you're fine today. I'm your host, Dominique, and today we've got our girl, Jenny Gaither, certified confidence and mindset coach, one of my dearest friends back in the studio for an episode of Trauma Hour. We haven't done this since episode five, and I have been jonesing for another Trauma Hour sesh, which, as a reminder, is like happy hour, but we talk about our traumas because why not? Jenny and I recently had a shared experience that we thought would be hilarious and maybe healing to talk about. This is going to be like a validating vent sesh, so let's just get right to it. Jenny, thank you for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) She's being like consistently chronically assaulted by Stella. That's my favorite thing. (laughs) Our studio dog uh, is particularly attached to her, so. I don't love a dog unless a dog is attached and obsessed with me. I need you to be obsessed. is the type of dog I love. She loves me. If you you need to feel like someone is obsessed with you or something is obsessed with you, um, look no further than my very needy dog. I got a golden retriever for a reason. (laughs) Yeah, the best. I need um, a golden retriever boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, like, not no. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so starting off, as per usual, Jenny, are you fine today? You know, I'm fine in that I'm working through really hard life shit, and I'm so used to having to survive. It's just a childhood to full life event, I guess. (laughs) But I do better in chaos, which is just really fucked up. The childhood trauma to adult chaos pipeline is real, alive and real. It's alive and real. (laughs) And when things are normal and just peaceful, I feel like I get depressed and I don't have motivation or energy. Oh, shit. Yeah. But when shit hits the fan, I am your girl. I'm a problem solver. (laughs) Yeah. You are. I look glowy, which is super fucked up. Yeah. I I noticed when you walked in, I was like, you're vibrant right now. She's thriving. And she's like, like, it's chaos. Everything is on fire. (laughs) Oh, my God. But like you're the ultimate emergency contact. Yes. I am solid through 100%. Oh, Mm -hmm. my God. Yeah, totally. That Mm -hmm. makes so much sense. I can relate to that in a lot of ways. And also... You are the personification of the This Is Fine dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sipping coffee while the house is on fire. Like, yes. that, that's literally you. That is me. See, that's why you're just perfect for being on this podcast as much as humanly possible. So thank you for joining again. Happy to be here. Um, and this is a particularly interesting episode. We've never done, like, a format like this before. But, uh, yeah, we're just going to start unpacking, like, a particular experience that in retrospect was funny, but at the time felt, like, so energetically assaulting. It was wild. Yeah, we were shaken up. We, like, had to, like, sage and smudge ourselves and, like— <laughs> I haven't felt like that in a really long time. It was yeah. heavy. Yeah, really heavy. It like, we heavy. were shaken to the core. Like, the summary is, like, we literally were 
gallivanting it, yeah. as gals we were just in ha- Tory Pines. Having a good time, and then someone literally, and it sounds weird, but you'll understand it after we tell the story, like someone fully energetically assaulted us, like held us there and like made us feel so uncomfortable mm-hmm. for so long. But we learned a lot from it, and we think that this will be relatable in different ways. 100%. This happens to you every day, and you don't even know. Yeah, and so <laughs> we, we both learned and like got to witness like how we respond to certain things, and uh, I in particular— <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning a lot about how I let people just keep on going. So, um, yeah, it was a not so sunny afternoon, morning. In uh, <laughs> afternoon, let me set the scene. Um, we were in La Jolla. We were going for a hot girl walk at Tory Pines. Mm-hmm. We were like, let's get out and get moving, and then like grab a bite afterward. We were gonna have like a lovely day. I think it was the Venus Libra Kazimi. So it was like a very like cosmically lovely day and we were like okay like let's go out and enjoy some nature soak up some rays like boost our spirits and uh as one does like we're just like unpacking all of our shit together we're talking we decided to sit on a bench for a little bit so on brand so on brand for us and uh (laughs) we were having a private conversation so we were speaking in hushed tones when all of a sudden yeah this woman with a big umbrella comes over (laughs) Umbrella lady. Umbrella lady, like a golf umbrella. High white socks, white, really nice white crisp sneakers, really nice tan. Country club chic. Yeah, really nice glowy skin. She, what was her accent? Well, I thought she said she was French, but her accent wasn't French. No, it wasn't. And I was really confused by that because she said she was French, and then I, like, started speaking French to her, and she spoke it back, but again, her accent wasn't the French that I'm used to. Yeah. It was very startling in the moment. Imagine sitting on a bench with your best friend and you're whispering. Like, it's a deep conversation. Yeah, very personal and intimate. Yeah, and someone— a complete stranger. And in those moments, it's like you're in a bubble because you're so zoned in on mm-hmm. each other. So you forget there's other people in the world. Yep. And that was the most jarring part. Yeah. We were trying to just be vulnerable. Yeah, and we were connecting. Talk. Yeah. And she burst our bubble with like a, and, a spear. <laughs> exactly. And she started talking at us. Yeah. But it was really hard. It almost took me at least three seconds to realize what was happening. There was a delay because it was so jarring. She was talking so fast at us yeah. that I didn't even know what she was saying. Yeah, she was like, what are you guys talking about so quiet? And we're like, we're specifically speaking quietly so no one talks to us. <laughs> but we didn't say that because we're not assholes. But, like, honestly, we could have used a little bit of that asshole energy. <laughs> but the, there, in that moment, mm-hmm. she went right into a whole 20-minute, no exaggeration, dialogue, yeah, yeah. dialogue monologue, monologue, monologue yeah. about why dogs are <laughs> <laughs> the bane of human existence <laughs> and this it's planet. It's funny talking about it, but in the moment, it wasn't because she also picked two of the biggest dog lovers on the planet yeah. to have this <laughs> monologue for, but she went into politics. She went into... It wasn't coherent. Like she was speaking at us, jumping from topic to topic, starting with how dogs and dog poop are destroying the planet Mm -hmm. and how there shouldn't be dogs allowed anywhere. And don't we agree? And I'm like, no. (laughs) And the more she talked, the more she spoke, the more aggressive she got. Yeah, really aggressive. Dominique has a very gentle (laughs) way about her. I am definitely not 
gentle. And so Dom and I, I feel like I am close with you, Dom, but I didn't want to. I felt like I the whole time was like, be nice, Jenny. Be nice, Jenny. Mm -hmm. Be nice. Dom's here. Be nice. But if you weren't there, I really would have just like— Shut her down. Shut her down and walked away. And there were so many moments where I literally wanted to like get my stinger out because I'm Scorpio energy. I kind of wish you did. (laughs) And I was literally going to lay down, but I was trying to be as like chill as possible. (laughs) And sweet Dom, (laughs) you you were so kind and like open to her. And so I just, like, kind of sat back and put my sunglasses on. Yeah, you went into quiet mode. And And I just, yeah. Internally, I was, like, be more assertive. And I thought I was being assertive by not agreeing with her. Mm -hmm. Like, this is how, like, to Jenny's point, how gentle I am with people and how people-pleasing I am. Where usually if someone was like that, I would have been held there for even longer because I would have pretended to agree with everything that they were saying to make them more comfortable. And me openly disagreeing and trying to be more assertive in my words was, like, a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't remember what it was. I. <sighs> well, she started—she loved you. She felt your energy, and she was really vibing. And I don't know she why. Started, she started complimenting you because you're gorgeous. And she was like, you're so beautiful. And then she looked at me, and she was like, are you Jewish? And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. I was like— And then I said— she started talking about— You said, I don't know, are you? And like, yeah, yeah. No, I said, yeah, like, are you? Are you? Yeah. Or, like, where are you from? Because she was asking us questions. And she, like, was insulted and by that. And she was so upset that yeah. I asked her a question. And she literally said to me, don't you ask questions. And basically was like, yeah. basically, you sit and shut up while I talk to this little angel. <laughs> the pleasant one who's, like, just keeping me, like, entertained or and whatever. I was boiling. Yeah. Well, I tried telling her, like, she was talking about a bunch of stuff that was going on, like, in, like, global current events, but it wasn't coherent. It wasn't like one particular topic. She was jumping from thing to thing. And I tried in my way of saying, I don't want to talk about this. Um, My roundabout way of getting there was saying like, you know, the human brain wasn't wired to receive all the information we are getting on a daily basis. Our brains haven't evolved at the same pace as our communication has. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's overloading to the brain. And she didn't understand what I was saying. No. At all. Um, And that was for me, like I could have been more direct and I guess said, like, no, I don't know about any of these things. Like, have a good day. But I was— (laughs) Well, what she wanted was to just talk at people. Like, I think she just needed an audience. Mm -hmm. She didn't want a dialogue. She didn't, like, dialogue with us or you. So I don't think it mattered what you said or how you said it. Yeah, because, like— Anytime I presented, like, the thing about dogs, like, I'm like, aren't there other things to worry about? Like, dogs bring, like, so much good to the world. Like, everything brings something good and bad, and you have to just kind of, like, weigh the options. You could say, like, having kids is bad because, like, we're overpopulated. And And she she didn't want to hear it. This happened, let's say, like, 30 minutes, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But to give us credit, this woman spoke— so aggressively and mm-hmm. quickly, we could not get a word in. No. Yeah. And like the times when I was speaking back to her, in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm shutting down the conversation by not agreeing with her. But really, it was just egging her on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like lesson learned there. I also, before I forget this, want to say like the way that we were so taken aback at the beginning and didn't know how to respond reminds me a lot of like 
other kinds of traumas Mm -hmm. where you're so in shock, you don't know what to do and you freeze, at least for me. So, like, my fight or flight response is freeze, Mm -hmm. which is (laughs) so sad. Mine is peace out. Yeah, yours is flight. (laughs) Yeah, so you're like, I'm going to head out. Like, I'm just dead. And I'm like, pretend you're dead. Maybe they won't talk to you anymore. (laughs) I'll fake my own death. (laughs) I ended up just standing. Yeah, you did. You're like, I got to get up. Even when we said like, oh, we got to get to a reservation or whatever bullshit we made up. Um, She still kept talking. Yeah. And I think that was the assault part Mm -hmm. is that we were both at this point giving very clear signals of we are done with this, whatever this is, we have to go. And she wasn't respecting that Mm -hmm. in any way or hearing it and kept going. And I think that is when it got really heavy because we had already given her so much time. Yeah. Like, very gentle and respectful, like, clues that, like, anyone with normal, like, reception to social cues would have picked up on. Yes. And then it was very clear to us that this woman did not respect us or our time or energy. And so it just—we walked away, both of us, just feeling like— like anxious for me, like a little bit. Super anxious and like energy drained. Like someone just electrocuted the battery and now it's dead. Yes. Like, yeah. And it sounds weird. Like, oh, this woman talked at us and like, you know, it it was horrible. But like, it was a... If you think about those moments when you're having a deep conversation though, your heart is so open. Yeah. And... We were in a raw place. We were in a really raw place. And I, again, I think it was because we had no sort of warning that was about to happen that it just just entered the chat immediately and just like burned it down and then wouldn't leave so we had to just walk away and we talked about like as we were walking back to the car because we were like i guess our little hike jaunt is over um so we started walking back to the car and one of the things we talked about i was like oh i i didn't want to be rude i was so worried about being rude and like saying oh we can't talk or like hurting a stranger's feelings by you know shutting them down or you know brushing them off and then we were like wait a minute like she's the rude one she just inserted herself into a very personal and private conversation and even when I was trying to like at the end of it make her uncomfortable by talking about like the trauma that we were discussing Mm -hmm. she like didn't respond to that well either it was just yeah it was a lose-lose situation so in terms of like being rude I think that is exactly in my head what I was trying to avoid because I didn't want to be rude in front of you or to you. Oh. <laughs> I didn't give a fuck about, about her. her. Yeah. But I was Oh, like, you have permission forever. I was like, be polite, be nice. Like, Dom is a little angel. You're the devil. Be <laughs> no. nice. But, and so I was trying to, like, really pull it together. But it's funny that I thought that even just standing up and saying, like, we're done. Yeah. In, an, in my normal, aggressive way yeah. would have been rude. But it's not rude. Like, neither of us enacted boundaries for different, like, mental hangups that we had. Like, mm-hmm. I am so far on the other end of the spectrum. I thought I was putting in boundaries when I wasn't even, like, dancing on the corner of one. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you were worried about me and protecting my feelings. Yes. So you couldn't put up the boundary. And so both of us are just stuck there. Um, and I just think it brings up a pretty, like, universal theme about how, God, this is just, like, a really hard thing to do. And, like, we're so culturally conditioned to act and behave and speak and interact a certain way that even when someone is being like energetically violating we're still so verbally emotionally yeah we are so afraid to we question ourselves in that moment of like are they 
Yeah. Or am, am I, like, somehow it turns back to, like, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. You feel like you're doing something wrong yeah. already before you even did it. And I'm like, oh, if I say, like, we don't want to talk to you or, like, whatever it was, like, that's so disrespectful to a stranger. I'm going to ruin that stranger's day when it's like, she kind of almost ruined ours. She 100% ruined the hot girl walk. Yeah. Hot girl walk is over. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's just a really good practice to start in situations that you— or feel relatively small. Yeah. But low stakes. Low stakes. And maybe you don't even actually do it, but it's just recognizing when you yeah. don't say something because you're afraid to be impolite or be a bitch. Yeah. Or whatever judgment you think is gonna come with it. But you're it I think focusing on the reason as opposed to the the following narrative of what could possibly right, the be shoulds. The yeah. Shit. yeah. Yeah. So it's like the reason is because why? This person is making you feel a certain way. Yeah. And this that's person's making both of us on. uncomfortable. Yes. And that's enough of a reason for either of us to be like, we're having a private conversation and just move. I feel like she didn't even let us do that. No. Like, even if we tried to do it, I'm just thinking about that scenario. Like, we kind of did at certain points, like, try to be like, well, we're having a private conversation. Yeah. And she just kept talking. Well, I think that I even talked to my mom about this this week. We're talking a lot about this recently. I think a lot of women, especially, well, all generations, yeah. struggle with validating their emotions. Yeah. And saying, it's like, so true. I hear me out. This is what I believe. Like, if you feel something, feelings are real. Mm -hmm. It's always real. It's always true. However, you might not always understand it. And that's your intuition. So if it's like, ooh, I'm uncomfortable, but in your mind, you're like, is it uncomfortable? Are you sure? Maybe this person is trying to be nice. Right, yeah. It doesn't matter the reason. Doesn't You don't need to figure out why. You don't have to justify it You don't it to have yourself. to justify yeah. it. You just need to listen to it. That's something I'm still learning. Both and trust it. With my mental and physical experience, as you know, it like takes a lot for me to recognize my physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm like, quote-unquote, being dramatic or whatever, when I end up going to the doctor, they're like, you're extremely unwell. I was like, mm. oh, I thought it was on my head. Like, not really believing myself. Yeah. So this is a good thing that you're bringing up. Like, it's hard to tune into your intuition around your lived experience, your emotions, your yeah. physical body. Yeah. And I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you feel in those moments before you have to go to the emergency room or something mm -hmm. big happens— are, do you go back and you're like, oh, there was signs? Totally. Only if I get the validation from the doctor. So, for instance, mm. when I was, like, really sick and, like, throwing up and had to go to ER, and they got me my, like, white cell count, and it was, like, super, super elevated. If they hadn't given me that test, I would have been like, everyone pukes a little bit. Like, why did I go to, like, the hospital or whatever? Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have given myself credit. I'm like, oh, I should have just, like, gone to bed or whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. I only trusted myself after I got the external validation that like, yeah, I was sick, which is crazy. Yeah. So that, this I didn't so intend for this to be my own if therapy. If you're throwing <laughs> up, it's not validating that you're, something's right. wrong. Yeah. Like, uh, I probably brought this up like several episodes ago, but I had like a rupturing hemorrhagic ovarian cyst mm -hmm. in July. And I was in the most excruciating pain I think I've ever been in in my life. Like, stabbing pain so bad I could not sit or stand up. I think this goes back to—sorry. Yeah. I think this goes back to we think 
we we want to prove that we are fine, right? Mm-hmm. This is fine. <laughs> and so we say, I can, I want to, I can get through this. Yeah. I can get through this. And it's, that's the worst language we can use. Totally. Because it's, do I want to continue with this pain? Being this way, existing in this yeah, state. Of course you can get through this. We yeah. can all sit here with like the worst pain ever and be like, I can do this. Yeah, totally. Just power why, through. Why do we want to prove our, to ourselves we can do that? Yeah, you don't deserve that. Yeah. I don't deserve why that. Why put yourself through that suffering? But yeah, I didn't—that experience, like, I could have easily gone to ER, urgent care, whatever, and gotten, like, some kind of pain medicine, whatever. Um, I didn't get results until I went to the doctor, like, a while later and got, like, an ultrasound and everything. And she was just like, oh, my God, what are you doing? <laughs> and— I didn't believe that something bad had really happened. I thought the pain was in my head or just, like, random whatever Mm -hmm. until I got, like, the words from the doctor. And then I could really believe that I was in pain and actually feel all of my—like, I was really tired. Yeah. I was depleted. I knew I needed rest, but I, like, didn't really listen to it. And once I got the validation, I was like, oh, I'm allowed to feel this way now. Mm. So it's like waiting for external validation for a pain experience, for an emotional experience, like, Mm -hmm. not trusting— like you what were you're saying. Feeling. Yeah, not trusting what you're feeling. It yeah. all comes back to the same root. And I think it's so important to start with, again, things that are really small and don't feel crazy, like, overwhelming. But it's just even when someone asks you to do something, like, hey, Dom, do you want to get drinks tomorrow? What is that first gut feeling you have when I ask that question? Is it like, I don't really— uh, I'm overwhelmed. It's been a long week. Like, Yeah, uh, like, I'm tired now, but, like, I'll let you know tomorrow. Like, that's—if you were asking me right now, I'd probably be like, okay, I'm pretty tired from this week, yeah. and, like, I've been sick, so um, let's, like, check in tomorrow if you don't yeah. mind. Yeah, but even deeper than that. Yeah. Like, for me, it would be a no, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like my gut is, like, I just want to spend tomorrow yeah. with myself. So you know and you're clear about it. I'm really clear about it. Yeah. Oh, that's the difference. <laughs> yeah. And so I think there's also not a lot of narrative. It's just a feeling. Yeah. Mine is—this is probably also a difference between how we process things. Mm-hmm. My brain is so analytical Yeah, that I have to, like, analyze how am I feeling now in the context of the week? Will I be feeling that way tomorrow? What do I have going on the day after that? So if I have drinks tomorrow night, what's the next morning going to look like? Yeah. like, But we all have those voices, yeah. right? That's 90% of my that's, voices. That's your, that's your mind. <laughs> yeah. But your gut is different. <gasps> Maybe that's why I can't hear my gut because my brain won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, so your gut is, like, an actual, like, feeling, though. What? <laughs> what are you feeling? No, I'm kidding. So, I'm so emotional. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Wow. Yeah. You're you're my new therapist. Did you know that you're the replacement for Dr. Newhouse, my retired therapist? <laughs> Did you know that I think I was meant to be one and it just <gasps> is something I, I actually realized? think you should be a therapist. Yeah, I'm going to go back to school. Hell this isn't yeah. a joke. My sister in Christ. Absolutely. Like, this is it's like... We want to talk about, let's just, we, there's just not enough trauma in my life. Just add <laughs> just more. Just sprinkle a little bit more in. No. I, Open up to everyone else. Apparently, I keep being told that I'm, like, built for it. I so. mean, if you thrive in chaos, I feel like that's a good yeah. field for you. I don't know how to be light and just, like, airy. And You're, in you're the, not supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I can't keep it surface level. It's literally impossible. That's I'm, why, that's why we're breaking this down. People. Yeah. We're literally psychoanalyzing a random experience we had at a state park. Like, yeah. 
That's true. For the benefit of others. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so, like, what do we take away from it? Like, okay, um, we don't have to worry about protecting other people's feelings. And I think this is actually a really good segue um, because we wanted to talk about some trauma hour vocabulary. And a big one that we are talking about with this instance is boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, I got some—so the three, just to preface, we're going to get into all of it. Boundaries, gaslighting, and narcissism are three often misused or misunderstood words in the psychological and mental health context. So boundaries, in the context of psychology, um, I borrowed this from something online that I'll attribute to in the (laughs) description Mm -hmm. because I don't have it in front of me. But in the context of psychology, boundaries are a conceptual limit between you and the other person. Simply put, it's about knowing where you end and others begin— knowing what's yours and what's not, acknowledging that every adult is responsible for themselves. That last part is the clincher for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not responsible for that person's feelings, but I always feel responsible for that person's feelings. So, like, random-ass, like, country club woman on the trail. Right. I'm not responsible for her feelings. Well, here's where it's actually really tricky, I think, because— I think there are two spectrums. There's okay. Dom spectrum yeah. where you are so you care hypertuned so to them, yeah. And then there's another spectrum that I see a lot where it's like, oh, boundaries are trending, boundaries are cool. Like yeah. I'm just gonna be really aggressive and almost like disrespectful and totally. rude about it. I've seen that in my relationships too, with like I'm thinking of one person in particular who I'm like, oh, they're really good at boundaries, but it's like actually they're being like hardcore selfish. Yeah. So I think that there needs to be Libra, a little more <laughs> of a balance between yeah. the two. And what I always teach is that boundaries are something that need to really be processed internally first of what what is like the what is going on? Like what is something that is making me uncomfortable that's happening here? And really think about like your piece in that story, not just the other person. Because it's so easy to be like, okay, Dom, I need you, you wearing your hair like that is really bothersome. So I need you to wear pigtails instead, (laughs) right? It's like we're trying to control other people to feel good. And that is not what a boundary is. Exactly, yeah. So if it's, I'm going to use like a family example. Great, trauma hour, unload. (laughs) I was not speaking to my family for seven years. We were estranged. It was my choice. It was on purpose. I needed to do my healing work. And then I came, this was all preempted with a letter to each of them that I needed space and time. I didn't know it was going to be seven years though, to work on myself to then come back to have these conversations and hopefully build a new relationship. That is a super hard boundary. Yeah. That's a massive one. That's a beefcake boundary. That's a beefcake. Oh, my God. This was not a—I'm not—I'm leaving until you go to therapy, and then I'll come back. Mm -hmm. I could do that, but I'm then waiting for someone to heal and fix themselves. And it makes it their responsibility instead of yours. And it makes it their responsibility fully. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking someone to change so I feel better. Yeah. That— you could do that, but the possibility of that person never doing that is very high. Yeah, it's really unrealistic to expect someone else to change to meet your needs. I learned that the hard way many, many times, still learning the hard way. Exactly. So it's saying, I, this is me, I'm taking accountability for what I need. I'm leaving, and I'm going to block you on everything. Mm-hmm. I'm letting you know that ahead of time. The only way you can contact me is literally this email. This is real life, y'all. And then I'll come back when I'm ready. 
And so I handled all of my emotions. I worked through all of this deep, deep healing. And I came back when I felt like I could actually protect myself. That's amazing. And before that, the reason I did that is I couldn't protect myself. I right. didn't have the strength. You're like a crab without a shell. That. Yes. Yeah, totally. And or so a scorpion without a shell. <laughs> I just kept getting sucked into generational trauma. And yeah. I was like, I'm done. It's too much. So that's an example where taking accountability for yourself. So it always needs to be considerate of both parties. Mm -hmm. There's never one person. It's two people. And finding a way to respectfully communicate what it is that's happening. And the most important piece is the, quote, consequence. And the consequence comes from self. It's mm -hmm. what you are going to do to protect yourself and communicating that. So I said I'm going to leave and this is why. It's not like I'm leaving and ghosting and never communicating. Right, totally. You were really clear that you were creating a boundary, yes. not that you were just leaving and you leave it up to them to wonder what happened. Exactly. Yeah. And I explained it in such detail that I ne and gave every single person the same letter. Clarity. So that they all knew and could read super clearly, hopefully in between the lines of like, this, she's not fucking around. Yeah. And like... They can't make up stories right. as to why <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm leaving. <laughs> it's it's like Scorpio energy, like I have the receipts. I like, have the receipts, yeah. um, I mean, you'd be great in like HR or legal as well because it's like yeah. everything's thoroughly documented. Like you can't contest this. It's all in writing. I mean, yeah, 100%. So on that note of like, okay, healthy boundaries involve like respecting both parties. Mm -hmm. If you were coaching me, you weren't my friend. You had just observed the interaction at the park. Mm -hmm. What would you have recommended instead of what I did to create a boundary? This is a great one. <laughs> I love how we tied it in. So the boundary, so what you could have said to this woman is, excuse me, because it was so hard, again, to interrupt her. To so it would have had to be yeah. an aggressive, yeah. there had to be an aggressive entry point, yeah. right? And that was where I was like, ah, this woman's not even giving us a breath of air to just say to one To say word. we have to go. Yeah. yeah. So I think there, you know, it can, it can look so many different ways. So I don't want to say like there's one way to do it. But sure. here's an example is just being polite. Again, not being an asshole because you think a boundary is a way to be an asshole. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not a like, uh, what's the word? It's not an excuse to be an asshole. Yeah. So just politely <laughs> saying, we appreciate the conversation. You don't even have to say that. Yeah. Let me think about this for a sec. Mm. I, I almost said I I almost said I'm sorry. LOL. I was going to do that too. Like I'm sorry, but then I'm like I'm not no, sorry. No. I'm just going to say ma'am, but it's that's yeah. probably not what I would have said. Substitute ma'am for whatever else. Yeah, <laughs> ma'am, we have to go. We have plans. I hope you have a wonderful day. Yeah. Okay. And just left. I'm trying to think of like without my, waiting for a response though. If I would have said, yeah, we've got to we've got to go. All right, this this doesn't work for. That's what my last therapist used to tell me. Like this doesn't work for me. I just leave it at that. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like that's more in like interpersonal relationships. Like yeah. this doesn't work for me. This plan doesn't work for me. Whatever it is. Um, I feel like this is even though our story is very like niche, like the circumstances, the overall theme of feeling 
like kind of energetically trapped and you can't put up a boundary with someone is pretty universal. I think that mm-hmm. everyone's had an experience like this mm-hmm. or will have an experience like this. And it's so much easier in hindsight to be like, oh, I should have said this or I should have done this. It would have been great. But it's, again, like we both used it as an opportunity to do some reflecting on like how we interact with people and like what we could do to improve to protect our mm-hmm. our energy and our sanity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would like to... <laughs> work on that because again like what jenny and this other woman like perceived as very gentle was me actively trying to be more assertive and aggressive Mm -hmm. so that's just i'm on i'm on the path i'm just taking my little baby steps you're doing great sweetie (laughs) thank you (laughs) one thing i want to add here is god my brain is like blinking out like i have covid um i don't have covid i don't have covid (laughs) but it's like brain farting um one thing i want to offer is there is sometimes such a delay in awareness of what we're feeling. Um, And then we can't also—there's a delay in what we're feeling, and then there's a delay of understanding what we're feeling, because I think we get so fixated, and like, why am I feeling this? How do I explain this person? We get so in our head that we freeze, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Relatable. (laughs) So what I want to offer is communicating that out loud. So it's okay to say— I just need to let you know I'm totally shutting down right now. I can't actually really figure out what is going on, but I need to leave. I'll get back to you. Yeah, now that you said that, I'm thinking if I could go back, I would have said, I'm actually pretty overwhelmed by this. I'm going to have to excuse myself. Yes. I'm not apologizing. I'm not, you know— making it any kind you're of excuse. You're validating how you're feeling as well. Yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm overwhelmed by this conversation and I'm going to need to excuse myself. Yep. Ooh, I might like keep that as a back pocket. Like, yeah. <laughs> phrase. That's great. If, uh, if anyone happens to join our intimate conversations ever again. <laughs> yes. But it's important to be able to say this is happening and not feel, not feel like you fully need to explain yourself at all. Just yeah. saying, I don't feel right. I need to leave, but if it's someone you know and you want to actually have a relationship with, I'll get back to you tomorrow. Yeah, I love that. You know, and it gives you—so you're not just sitting there frozen, taking yeah. more shit that you—is, like, overwhelming your whole system. Totally. That's easy for me <laughs> to experience. Any other, like, HSPs listening, like, <laughs> highly sensitive people, that's—the overwhelm is Tapping. Real. Tapping. Ooh, tapping's a fun so one. I haven't done that ta- in a while. So let's say, like, even if I'll— I, if I'm on a call with someone and they have a energy, I'm very sensitive lady. Mm-hmm. If they have very strong energy, I'll tap on my sternum. Is it called EFT? Like emotional frequency tap? This, I can't remember what it stands for, but yeah, it's like I the forget. sternum, like under the nose. But if you just tap on your sternum, it okay. separates you from them. Interesting. It reminds me that I'm here. And that they are separate from me. And oh, that's I'm, the whole definition of boundary, yeah, right? So like I'm where you end, they begin. On wow. their energy. So cool. I feel right now as I tap on my sternum, I feel way more separate from you. Oh, my God. Not that you were impacting me, but it's just really interesting. <laughs> Try it right now if you're yeah. listening. Tapping your sternum. Tap on your sternum and you'll feel how you feel so much more self-aware of your body and separate from everything in the space. I like that. This is like a nice, um, like tactile way to just get back into your body and out of your head. There's another way. You go, y'all can't see me, but you rub your hands in front of your face, mm-hmm. and then you flip your palms outward, and you put one arm over your head, and basically you're just ridding the energy. Oh, like that. Okay. Over. Cool. Okay, I'm going to have to, like, link to something where you can see that. (laughs) I'll do a video. (laughs) 
<laughs> just go to Jenny's Instagram or TikTok. <laughs> um, so I love that we got into boundaries there. And it is, like you said, something that people might not implement or might take advantage of, right? Like might use it as an excuse to go toward like extreme selfishness, which actually brings us to the next one, which is narcissism, mm. which definition-wise literally starts with the word selfishness involving a sense of entitlement, a lack of empathy, a need for admiration, and all of this is a characterizing personality type. But in terms of psychoanalysis, it says self-centeredness arising from failure to distinguish the self from external objects, either in very young babies or as a feature of mental disorder. Symptoms of narcissistic personality disorder and how severe they are can vary. People with the disorder can have an unreasonably high sense of self-importance and require constant excessive admiration, feel that they deserve privileges and special treatment, expect to be recognized as superior without achievement, make achievements and talents seem bigger than they are, be preoccupied with fantasies about success, power, brilliance, beauty, or the perfect mate, believe they are superior to others and can only spend time with or be understood by equally special people, be critical of and look down at people they feel are not important, expect special favors and expect other people to do what they want without questioning them, take advantage of others to get what they want, have an inability or unwillingness to recognize the needs and feelings of others, be envious of others and believe that others are envious of them, behave in an arrogant way, brag a lot and come across as conceited, and finally insist on having the best of everything, for instance, the best car or office. That was a lot, but it all starts with selfishness, which at one point, uh, this was like a therapy session for me, understanding in terms of boundaries, that the word selfishness is like an umbrella. Like, we all come back to like, it's like a trope now, but self-care isn't selfish because there's a spectrum of like very nice selfishness where it's just like, I'm just taking care of myself yeah. so then I can take care of others, right? Self Selfish is, I I think selfish though, when it comes to self-care is not the same. Right. It, we don't have enough words to, to describe this whole spectrum, right? Exactly. It goes from literally self-care to narcissism, and it's all under selfishness. <laughs> yeah. Selfish. So selfishness, in my opinion, how I think about it is you disregard other people. Yes. There is, I care about me, and I disregard other people. And I don't care people. about other people. Yes. Yeah. And, and there is self-care, like when you're thinking about, I need I need to focus on myself, I care about myself, but it's not that, like, go fuck everyone else. Yeah. Like, no, it's, it's, I care about you. I still see you over there, but I just need to give myself some time. Right, that's the difference. It's, okay, so, like, nice selfish is, like, I care about you and I care about me. And right yes. now I need to prior prioritize me. Yes. And then the opposite end of that is I care about me and I don't care about you. It's not even I don't care about you, I think. It's, yeah. I don't even know you're here. Yeah, I don't acknowledge they're, your presence because I'm the so center of the their, world. Yes. That brings us to narcissism, which is used a lot. Yes. A lot right now. It's it's so misused. Yeah. And I think how I'm seeing it misused, I'm curious on how you see it. For me, it's when people have explosive fights. I'm thinking of The Bachelor. It's <laughs> mentioned never seen all it. the time. But <laughs> it's when people have, like, explosive fights and one person is really making the conversation all about themselves mm -hmm. and they're getting defensive, yada, yada. And they're like, oh, what a narcissist. And I'm like— you don't know if they're actually a narcissist in right. this most um, in what's happening is they're reacting they're having yeah. an emotional reaction yeah reactive communication they're getting defensive and 
That could just be that. They're having a bad reaction to this situation. Narcissism is an ongoing pattern where, again, there is not anyone else in the universe but Mm -hmm. themselves. And so they're not even aware that that they could be— That they're affecting other people. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, I just want to continue to operate this way. And if you get in the way, I'm just going to literally continue and probably blame it on you. Yep. And it's selfishness without any self-awareness of the selfishness. Yeah. Right? Like, there's no self-awareness and there's no other awareness. Like, the awareness is gone. But, like, you were saying where it's used in, like, uh, you know, fights and stuff like that. Like, narcissism doesn't equal selfishness. And I think we also hear a lot of people saying he's a narcissist or Mm -hmm. she's a narcissist. Like, using it as a label. And there's a veritable, genuine, like, diagnosis of narcissistic personality—excuse me— narcissistic personality disorder Mm -hmm. similar to something like bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. where people are called bipolar as like a noun and a label not they've been diagnosed with bipolar but they're bipolar Mm -hmm. not they have npd but they're a narcissist yeah and it's kind of making a person into a disease it's awful which is like really stigmatizing to mental health in general and obviously like i know that npd is like a little bit more I guess not controversial, but it's like a stickier topic because it is one of the ones where it feels like they're just a bad person. Yeah. (laughs) Which is sad because like people don't choose to be born with narcissistic personality disorder. No, it's a mental illness. And so to add such like stigma stigma to it is is hurtful because clearly Like any other illness, if someone were to get treatment, things improve, right? So this person isn't stuck and just, like, was born to be an asshole. There is something that's not connecting. Right. They don't have empathy. They Mm -hmm. completely lack it. Yep. And so I just think it needs to be really a lot—it shouldn't be thrown around that you're a narcissist. That word shouldn't just be thrown around. Yeah, don't use it like an adjective or a a noun, like, label towards someone. Like, they're a narcissist or that's so narcissistic. Like, I mean, I'm not going to, like, word police people, but just be mindful of the way and the context you're using it. Because it's similar to, like, oh, the weather's so bipolar. Like, we don't really say that anymore because that's really stigmatizing toward people who are born with bipolar disorder, Mm -hmm. which is— a vicious mental illness that people really struggle with to live, like, happy, healthy lives. Like, Mm -hmm. I I just think being conscious around our language is important with these. Yeah, even if you've struggled with anxiety or you've struggled with depression, for me, and I know, Dom, we've talked about this, the shame that can come with that, imagine being bipolar Mm -hmm. and the shame that comes with that. Yeah, exactly. People— have their own battles, even when they're mean. They probably have the hardest ones because they are projecting their own pain. So I just think that if you really think you are dealing with someone who has narcissism Mm -hmm. as a disorder— Talk to your therapist. Yeah, talk to your therapist. Like you were saying earlier, like, what do I have control over that doesn't expect the other person to change? Because there is no empathy or self-awareness going on if you— both okay context both jenny and i have intimate experience with uh abuse from narcissistic personality disorder mm-hmm. so like we're, we empathize with you and like if you've been in a similar situation like we know how painful and like angering it can be to yes. have any kind of relationship with someone with npd so this is not justifying their behavior but 
they don't have, like Jenny was saying, like the capacity to feel like genuine empathy and then they don't have the self-awareness. So they don't know they're hurting you necessarily. <laughs> yeah. That's and the hardest they, part. They operate out of such deep insecurity. Mm-hmm. They are always in fight mode. They are always ready to put someone down to ensure to protect themselves mm-hmm. and their ego. So again, there's no there's no other person or equal because they're just trying to survive and and basically like avoid pain yep avoid being seen avoid being vulnerable exposed exposed (laughs) they don't want to be wrong and it it's to the ultimate extreme and as you put it it is very very challenging to deal with and i we we both know from personal experience but i think there has to be because there's two people accountability in both because if you if you truly believe you are dating a narcissist and if you truly believe that you're dating a narcissist what how are you showing up into that relationship because you also have a choice your control and power is all in what you do and how you react and how you show up so it's not that this person is just a monster and I have to take it, or this person's a monster and I have to leave, there's so much gray. Mm -hmm. And so really looking at yourself, because we always want to blame other people. We always want to point blame. We always want to kind of not have to take responsibility for things. But for myself, there's been moments in my life where I've dated a narcissist, actually really one. And (laughs) they, it, 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 so much looking back was also me that I am. Yeah. Like what role do you play in this relationship yeah, that like, like enables like, uh, I guess I don't want to victim blame. No. Ever, but like what role do you play that is allowing? Well, abuse? I didn't protect myself. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I didn't protect myself and there is a learning curve. So I don't blame myself for that. Yeah. How do you know unless you experience yeah, it yeah. or someone like spells it out for you ahead of time? No one does right. that. <laughs> I don't blame myself for that. But I also see looking back, like if that situation were to happen now, I know how I want to handle it. Yep. And yeah. so that's just growth. There's not to put shame on anybody in those situations. Totally. Yeah. It's a growth opportunity. If you're in a point right now where you can reflect and level up, like use this opportunity for growth and mm-hmm. it sucks and it hurts and it's painful and like pretty much all change is painful mm-hmm. at points. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll help you get to that next, you know, chapter of your life in a healthier, happier place, ideally. But yeah, I just, I want to be mindful about how we talk about narcissism, NPD in general, how we treat those kind of people. And I keep coming back to the concept that Jenny brought up about being responsible for your role. Yes. Because again, expecting someone with NPD to just willingly go to therapy is not a good idea. (laughs) I don't know how to like express this more strongly. Like it is probably not going to happen. The Mm -hmm. self-awareness is not there. They are unaware that they need therapy most of the time. I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush. In my personal experience, it's not going to happen. Well, and I think it's like, why did you... Okay, wait, let me rephrase Why did you gravitate toward this person? How did you let this person into your life? What about you and maybe your lack of boundaries 
allow this person to impact you in your life and come into your life. Your parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's good to, to, again, just focus on what you can control, and that's yourself, as a, not in a judgmental way, in a right. learning way. Like, not like I did something wrong or you did something wrong. Like, this is just like, okay, what can I adapt? What, how can I change, like, behavior patterns, habits, whatever, yeah. in order to protect myself from that going forward? Yeah. Or to be more aware of certain like red flags, I guess. Exactly. And you learn the type of partner or person, people. You learn who you want to be, I think, yeah. more. And you learn more about the people you want to be surrounded by. And you learn how to deal with difficult people. Because to be honest, how many people are in the world? Billions? Seven, eight billion? Uh, I Seven to eight billion? Bill- billions. <laughs> billions. Billions of people. I could Google it. <laughs> there are so many people, and there's a lot of them that we don't like or don't get along with. So learning how to deal with difficult people is such an amazing skill instead of just— Sorry. It, in 2021, it was 7.837 billion. That was close. Wow. <laughs> you are good. <laughs> I don't know how you did that. I don't know I either. literally have no idea. That's yeah. amazing. It's 7.868 Eight seven two four five one uh, as of January twenty twenty two. Whoa! <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I had to Google it. I can't even wrap my head around that. But yeah, so I think you know, I think people, whether it's someone at work or someone at home or someone you're dating or a friend of a friend or a parent or a sibling, yeah, it's it's easy to avoid those people, but that doesn't solve anything for you, and so. It's, again, a self-protection. I didn't say this before. It's a self-protection, self-care practice to really figure out how you want to show up Mm -hmm. and react and protect yourself. Yep. That's a boundary. So Mm -hmm. we're using our vocabulary, having Mm -hmm. a healthy boundary with someone who has narcissistic personality disorder who potentially might be gaslighting you, which is our third vocabulary word. We love gaslighting. Everyone's talking about it. It's, it's like a, the new buzzword. It really is. I actually, I already told Jenny this. I wrote an article for Shape magazine a while back. Gosh, when was this? April? March? About like what is gaslighting. So I'm going to just like read an excerpt from uh, this article, which includes quotes from Kevin Gilliland and Rachel Wright, both of whom have been on this podcast. So you're already familiar with their work. Um, Gaslighting, in fact, first emerged in the 1940s from the movie Gaslight, but it re-emerged in mainstream culture in 2016, thanks to a certain political figurehead, and then became buzzy again last summer after The Bachelorette aired. Thank you for The Bachelor reference, Jenny. Um, (laughs) I've never seen it. I've Um, watched every single one. (laughs) Proud of you. It's a sickness. (laughs) Not proud, Um, not proud. It's not just a colloquialism. Both clinical psychologist Kevin Gilliland, PsyD, and psychotherapist Rachel Wright, LMFT, say they learned this term back in school when studying psychology. Thanks in part to the changing landscape of politics and culture, the term has gone from a more clinical in nature vocab term to something that is more on the tips of tongues everywhere, whether among friend groups or in therapy sessions. That was all according to Rachel Wright. As for what gaslighting actually means, fundamentally, it is psychological manipulation— 
deception, and trickery with a goal of eroding the self-trust of another party. We keep talking a lot about self-trust on Mm -hmm. today's episode, so this ties right in perfectly. Um, Dr. Gilliland says, Gaslighting is about power and control. It's one person over the other. They achieve power by undermining the other party's own judgment, sanity, and confidence in themselves and their their perceptions. It's a lot. I have homework for you. If you were watching Bachelor in Paradise, Aaron <laughs> is a great example of a gaslighter. Oh. I, I don't his know his last name. <laughs> but he's on The Bachelor in Paradise, and there's a scene where he is in an argument with his ex-girlfriend. And you watch him not want to take blame for something he didn't want to take blame for but he probably knew he did and so he then made it about how she's so needy she requires flipped it all on her so much yeah that's that's what they do they manipulate it they manipulate it so that you are actually the one to be blamed you're the culprit versus them what they did was valid because Mm -hmm. you're actually the problem yep and so you watch her whole body shut down. She doesn't say words. Damn. She fully, like— That's terrible. It is heart-wrenching. That's heart not primetime TV. That's like everyone needs a therapist time. It's—I it's, mean, she talks openly about how she's needed therapy Damn. since the show. But <sighs> it, it, it really is when all of a sudden you're talking about an apple and the person is like, yeah— but what about the orange? Right, just completely changing. Yeah. Like not acknowledging your lived mm-hmm. experience. So another quote that I just pulled up from Dr. Gilliland in this article, gaslighting is dangerous because it's so subtle. It's a pattern, not an event. It works over time, an erosion, not a flash flood. So like a lot of times people can slowly piece by piece start to erode your self-trust. I don't know if that ties specifically to this example, but it's like, it's not necessarily something you can point to, right? Like you can't say, well, he said orange and that doesn't sound like someone's attacking you or eroding your self-trust. Well, here's, oh, it, it, I get like nauseous talking about this because wow. I, I have such connection trauma yeah. with this and really close people in my life that I've witnessed go through this so many times and you can't. You can't you can't save people, yeah, right? And that's it's the just part. it like hurts and it's so yeah, so it's very it is subtle and these types of people usually are NPD mm-hmm. that gaslight because Yeah, it's like a characteristic of NPD behavior. They yeah, they don't want to take blame. They don't want to be seen as vulnerable or weak or again like they did something wrong. So, so they flip they, the narrative. They flip the narrative and they will Oh, it's so painful. But what they do so well is they pull up something that actually is potentially like could possibly be the problem too. Interesting. But it's unrelated, right? Okay. Like, I feel like in relationships— Oh, they're distracting with a sort of related but not on topic yes. issue. Okay. So in relationships, let's say I do something that's really, like, just I'm being an asshole. And so instead of taking blame for being mean and being short with you, I'm like, yeah, but you never speak up. Like, you never tell me how you oh. feel. And so these might be It's your true. fault I behave this way. These things might be true, but you can't use a whole different— 
conversation against me. Yes. Oh my God, that's so true. Yeah. You can't blame me for not having the confidence yet and for not speaking my truth. Like we're not talking about that. We're talking about how you're That's going to be a different conversation. Yeah. Those are two separate conversations. Mm-hmm. We're focused on one. You're throwing me into number two because you don't want to do number one. Yeah. It's a, oh. and it's, it's, it's a control tactic. It's a control tactic because what they pull on is true, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's something that you know you're aware of and it's probably been brought up before in some moment. And so then you start feeling really bad because you do know that's something you do. And you've totally lost sight of the actual problem. Whoa. That happens to me a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, okay. It ha- okay. It happens to people in four main ways. So like what Jenny's talking about, like this interpersonal gaslighting in relationships, whether that's dating or a parent or a sibling or a best friend, quote unquote, um, intimate partner violence. This is a really common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it can exist on a spectrum where it seems subtle, like Dr. Gilliland said in the quote, like it's slowly eroding over time or it can be more in your face. Then there's also professional gaslighting, toxic bosses or coworkers. There's racial gaslighting, which could be its own episode. Mm -hmm. Dr. Alfie, who was episode, I want to say 20, um, talks a lot about this as well. And then medical gaslighting, which kind of ties back to what we were saying with like not trusting our physical and emotional feelings. Mm -hmm. Medical gaslighting is where doctors are basically saying it's psychosomatic. It's all in your head. Mm -hmm. So that kind of leads to an erosion of self-trust as well. So Mm -hmm. it shows up in different ways in different areas of your life. And the result is... You know what's the solution to all of this? Please tell me. It's the first thing we talked about. Boundaries? It's validating your feelings. Oh, I love that. It's building inner trust. Okay. I talk about validation. We've got a series on here called Validate Me Harder, Daddy, on purpose because one of the biggest goals I have with the show is to help validate other people's lived experiences because I need validation so bad. <laughs> Always. Um, but yeah, I know, I know that I'm not the only person who feels that way and a lot of stuff. Like the reason why gaslighting is such a big topic is because we haven't been validated in our experiences. And I think that has led to the proliferation of this word in our vocabulary. Well, if I know myself enough, like I You're solid. I can't be gaslighted. Yeah. I probably could because I'm a human, but I feel so confident in my own feelings yeah. and who I am. You wanna know what a narcissist will tell you? I know you better than yourself. Oh, I hate that. Okay, so I dated someone that literally said those words to me. Who is he, Chuck Bass? (laughs) And I was so, my biggest fear was, how can someone know me better than I know myself? Mm -hmm. How can, he could say all these things about who I was, and I believed him. Yeah, that's how he gets control. Yes. Yeah. And so if if you're not confident in who you are, if you are not confident in your own self-trust and what you feel, then, of course, someone can manipulate you. Yeah. So the stronger, that's the homework. You have to know who you are. You have to build inner trust because— Identity. Someone can manipulate you so easy into believing that what you feel or who you are is something different. Mm -hmm. But if you're solid in that— Unshakable. They're they're just talking to a wall. Yeah, totally. You're a fortress. Yes. They're talking to a fortress. So (laughs) So here is the problem. They seek out, they sniff out people who don't yet have that a built out built up self-worth yeah. and and self-connection and self-trust. 
Yeah. And so that's how you find yourself in those situations. This is me, and that's why I ended up going to therapy and ended up cutting my family out for seven years, is because the pattern happens over and over and over. Yeah. Different, like, different Different person. Yeah. Same shit where I'm, like, being emotionally, physically, mentally destroyed by people. And I just hit a wall and I said, something has to change. I'm the common denominator. Mm -hmm. What am I not doing here? And it was, oh, I don't know who I am. Who am I? In order to love myself, I have to know who I am. And once you get to know who you are and love yourself and respect yourself and really connect to yourself, your body is not just your physical body. It is your mental body. It's your emotional body. It's your spiritual body. There's four bodies. So really just making the effort in getting to know yourself, then whoever is saying you are this or you are that or blah, 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 it, again, it, it, you're like bulletproof because you know who you are. Mm-hmm. You they, you can't be Jedi mind tricked right. by a gaslighter. Yeah. But if you don't, of course, you're going to be pulled in. You're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And not in like, I feel like vulnerable is another word that can be used in a lot of different ways. But um, it's good to be vulnerable with like friends and people you trust. But like, this is more like vulnerability to attack. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Energy attack. Abuse attack. Yeah, I feel like this is another really common, like, borderline universal experience. Like, everyone has been or will be at some point mm-hmm. gaslit. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. But uh, it's also, like you were saying, sometimes used incorrectly. Do you have mm-hmm. an example of that? Yeah. Well, it was interesting. I'm going to go back to the bachelor, bachelor. <laughs> because it's you could see it, which is so great. So you can actually see what it looks like. But it's interesting because he calls her a gaslighter. And you're just like, what? The ultimate gaslight tactic. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. You're like, you are literally gaslighting her and calling her a gaslighter. Yeah. It was crazy. So, like, say we're in an argument okay. and you're like, Jenny, I really don't like when you are really snippety and you, you're you just giving me feedback on myself. And I'm like, you're such a gaslighter. Oh. So I don't want to take responsibility. Yeah, just deflecting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like when you get called out on shit and you don't want to be called out. Yeah, and, and it's so like, you're I'm like, not doing anything to make you yeah, feel crazy or I'm not make acknowledge. you feel like yeah. you are something. It, but that's also gaslighting, too. Yeah. <laughs> so it is really broad. Yeah. Do you think, and I, I don't expect you to have, like, the ultimate answer to this. It's just thoughts and musings. Do you think that it's being misused a lot? Or do you think we're finally starting to identify unhealthy relationship patterns? I and definitely this, think we're... Yeah, this happens to be like a catch-all term of the moment. Yeah, it's really nice to see the world start to not be afraid of emotions, Mm want to do the work to understand feelings, energy, and how we interact with each other, what is respectable or what what we'll put up with and what we won't. I think all of these things are amazing and so it is good that these terms are more people more people understand these terms or using these words yeah and have that awareness we're paying attention we're paying attention to our interpersonal relationships our work relationships even relationships with doctors yeah. and 
how we're being treated, if we're being heard, if our lived experience is being validated and understood by the other party or if it's being dismissed Mm -hmm. and building self-trust. I think those are all good things. I just think it's—I don't think there's anything bad about using these words at all. I just think, to go back to what we were talking about in terms of narcissism, it's just words have power. And I find that people, especially with buzzwords— When they're when they learn a new term, it's exciting and fun. And right you're like, now, I know what a gaslighter is. Gaslighter, gaslighter. <laughs> it's gaslighter. like a toddler learning new words. It's like yeah. doctor, doctor, doctor. <laughs> like over and over again. Yeah, we we want to use them. We feel empowered that we know and understand. But words have power. So to throw words around without fully thinking through why you're using them, the context. There's the consequences to yeah. that. There's people's feelings. There's There's a lot of weight that goes into that. So if you're going to use the word gaslight and you're going to say someone's a gaslighter and you're Mm going to tell them a moment that they were gaslighting, be intentional with your words. That comes back to what you were saying about, you know, selfishness is not caring about what or not even acknowledging that there's another person who could be affected, right? Mm -hmm. Or then like if there's a little self-awareness, not caring that the other person is affected. Or if you're a little bit better, like you're setting the boundary or you're using the word, but you're you're mindful and cognizant of whom else might be affected by your words. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Or am I rambling? <laughs> no, it makes sense. If you feel like you're selfish, if you're worried you're selfish, you are not a selfish person. <laughs> yeah. If you cool. <laughs> If you stress a, that you're selfish, you're not selfish. If you stress that you are a narcissist, Probably not a narcissist. Okay, so this is my, like, hyper-analytical, like, not-trusting-myself brain speaking. If I'm worried about being selfish, but it means I'm not selfish, then how do I trust myself? (laughs) Wait, say that again. If I'm worried about being selfish, and you're like, if you're worried about being selfish, you're, you're not being selfish. So I'm worried about being selfish, but I'm not selfish. So now how do I trust myself? So, first of all, worrying is one of the... What do I call it? It's an indulgent emotion. Ah, okay. It's an emotion that has no positive impact on anybody because it makes you question yourself. So you can't have trust with Ah, worry. That's your problem. Interesting. So So it's rooted in worry. So that's not, that has nothing to do with my intuition and self-trust. No. Ah. So if, if you're. That's fear versus intuition. Yeah. Ah, I love that. Yeah. And if you are. I can't remember. <laughs> I lost it. But I think I think overall, if you're worrying and stressing about if you're something, what you're doing is you're creating a problem that's not a problem. Yeah, it's like a fear narrative. Yeah. Okay. Just allow yourself to choose what you want to be and stick to that. So I think a lot of the way we talk to ourselves, if you say, I don't know if I'm this, what if I'm this, what if is a really— tricky, slippery slope. Mm-hmm. What if I'm being selfish? What if, what if? It, like, right away when I say that, the adrenaline It's a distorted body. thought. There's, like, have you ever, ever read the book um, Feeling Good by Dr. David Burns? Mm-mm. It talks about, like, all the distorted thoughts that can lead to depression and anxiety and, like, future-telling. Yeah. Uh, it generates it, worry. Yeah, totally. It catastrophizes. Mm-hmm. So what if is just not a great way to start <laughs> in your yeah. brain. So if you're tra- Unless trying— Unless you're, like, dreaming up possibilities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think concrete, like, statements is mm-hmm. helpful. So so saying, 
you know, if you really think that you're a narcissist or if, if you think that you are being selfish, let's use that example. Yeah. If you're worried that you're being selfish, I think being super concrete with your actions, this is what I did. Right. This is why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. How do I feel about this? Yeah. If the answer is I feel good, then everything else is noise. Yeah. Well, inherently, too, like to what you were saying, if you're worried about being selfish, that means you care about your impact on others, which means you're inherently not selfish. Cool, 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 cool. I'm glad like I got there in a roundabout way. (laughs) Yeah. My brain's not here. Oh, my God. No, your brain's brain's, like carrying the show on its back. Like, (laughs) it's really like going in and out like a TV. It's trauma hour. We're talking about a lot of really like triggering. That's another word, <laughs> triggered. Um, yeah, but, like, a lot of really, like, triggering stuff that, like, kind of reopens wounds. You know what I mean? Anytime we talk about this stuff, like, even if we've done a lot of healing, we've done a lot of work, we've got, gone to a lot of therapy, it's still tough stuff to talk about. And I think we've talked about this before, too. Like, do you ever not get sad about, like, something that, you know, was painful? Oh, yeah. Even if you've gone to therapy. Like, is that normal? Like, I feel like we're just humans. And sometimes talking about that stuff, like, is just going to bring up emotions. We're emotional people. Mm-hmm. or emotional creatures. Mm-hmm. Um but I think we, like, really did the thing. Like, this was a pretty intensive trauma hour. <laughs> I think there's a lot of good nug- nugs in here. Well, so, some Lots nugs of goodness. Think about. Yeah. But I think it's good to remember, you know, Dom and I are just two humans mm-hmm. living in the world beside you. We're not doctors. Yeah. We're not medical professionals. So, you know, this is our experiences yeah. of all of these things. But it's important, as we talk so confidently about our experiences, to— Learn what is best for you, how these words make sense to you, and, like, talk to a therapist, talk to somebody about it, and really form your own opinion. Yeah. You know? And I think that's, like, the motto of this, the over um, like overarching message is to just trust your own feelings and opinions yep. in, in really just building confidence. Trust yourself. Those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is intended to be— a validating, relatable experience. I've said this before on this show. Some of the most empowering and transformative experiences I have had have been hearing stories of other people who have gone through similar experiences, Mm -hmm. feeling not alone in that, which, again, is like a form of external validation. But, uh, yeah, that's that's what we're trying to do here. So just remember, we are humans, not medical advisors. Yeah, and I don't want to be, like, (laughs) sitting on my soapbox being like, this is what a gaslighter is. (laughs) Don't you dare say those words. But it's just, I think— I'm a dumpster fire. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a wackadoodle. But I think, you know, it's just important to have these conversations and just normalize it. Yeah. Talk about it. Stop throwing words at pe- and labels at people just in general. Your homework right now is to have a trauma hour of your own. Call up a buddy. Go to mocktails, cocktails, Don't whatever. Don't go to Tory Pines. <laughs> Don't go to Tory Pines Trail, please. <laughs> or if you do, like, take a lookout for us and send us a, a text. If you see a giant umbrella, run! <laughs> R- run for your life and, like, give us a heads up. Um, but seriously, go out there, schedule a little trauma hour with a friend, like, unpack some of this stuff. Talk about your boundaries. Talk about your experience. If you've ever experienced gaslighting or you think that someone in your life might have narcissistic personality disorder, process it. Like, the more we talk about it, the more we can heal, the more we can level up, the more we can be happier every day. Yeah. Love that for us. 
All right, we're also adding on a new segment to our episodes now. I'm not really sure what to call this yet, but every week I'm going to start sharing some things that I am excited about, hyped on, think you should know about. This could be entertainment, products, food, experiences, or just a random little note from me about thoughts, musings, and observations. So today I've got three things, maybe four, I think three. If you're in a romantic mood, I have a Galentine's playlist on Spotify for you to enjoy. It's a rather eclectic mix of love songs through the ages, so I hope you love it. It's linked in the show notes. Secondly, I've been really into resetting my brain and body with what I call a hot girl shower. This is a scalp mask and scrub, a hair mask, a gloss rinse treatment, a face mask, a body scrub, shave, body oil, dental care on steroids. Like we're doing all of the things in the shower. The candles are burning, the shower fizzies are fizzing, the music is playing, and we're doing a total reset. I really want to get into using self-tanner as well because all the girls on TikTok do it. So uh, if I do, you'll be the first to hear about those results. But anyway, back to the hot girl shower and self-care. I highly recommend this. I've been using it as a reset button for when I feel overwhelmed or stagnant. It's really like using jumper cables, but for my mental health. (laughs) I love that for me and for you. So um, yeah, check this out. Next. I've been doing ballet, as some of you know, as part of my New Year's resolution. Love that as well. New personality. But I've also been doing the Smart Fit method to move my body a little bit more. If you're in the San Diego or Costa Mesa area and you are ready to switch up your exercise routine or just get on a routine in general, definitely check this out. Smart Fit. The way it works, they use three 20-minute workouts per week, and each of those workouts uses a different machine. So For one workout, you use something called the Vasper. For another one, you have something called the Smart 3 or the Smart 5. And another one, you have um, a bike called Carol. It's super sciencey. It's AI-driven, which both terrifies and entices me. (laughs) And there are body scans built into the program. So you are able to monitor your progress and check your body composition changes, which I think is one of the coolest parts. This isn't an ad. I just um, think it's something you might want to try. My favorite machine of all of those is the Vasper. It uses 40-degree water pumped into pressure cuffs on your arms and legs. It's wild. You have to just go check it out. Okay, it was four things. Lastly, I have been living by the phrase, do one thing a day that scares you. And this message is to both you and myself. That scary thing you do once a day does not have to be financial negligence. Though it is terrifying, it also adds up. No further questions, Your Honor. All right, I think I have talked enough today. Let's wrap this up. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Trauma Hour on This Is Fine. If you did, please leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. If you can't get enough of Jenny and my conversations together, go listen to her podcast, Mind Your Confidence. I'm on episode five. You can listen to us chat a little bit more. And I say this a lot, but that will also be linked in the show notes. I'm sending you big hugs, lots of boundaries, and wishing you a week with no gaslighting. A bien so. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of This Is Fine. I've been your host, Dominique Michelle Astorino. We're based in San Diego, recording in studio at DLI Productions in Pacific Beach with Emmy Award-winning sound designer Dan De La Isla. This is a comedy and advice podcast, but for legal reasons, this entire podcast is a joke and none of it is medical advice. To download the transcript or learn more, visit thisisfinepodcast.com. 